Good morning. Acts chapter 3. That's what we want to take a look at, at this morning. Acts chapter 3, 11 through 26. We'll actually add a little bit uh, to that. Title of the lesson this morning is The Miracle, the Message, and the Blessing from Acts chapter 3. We'll take a look at that miracle, and it will lead to a sermon that Peter will deliver there. And then we'll draw some contrast between what is said in Acts chapter 2, Peter's first gospel sermon, and then this second one in Acts chapter 3. There's two sermons, there's two approaches. And then the three points is the miracle, the message, and the blessing. Acts chapter 3, it's amazing what kind of takes place there at the beginning of that with that miracle, with the healing of that lame man. And as we think about what had transpired in Acts chapter 2, and the apostles have gone unto Jerusalem at the direction of Jesus from Acts chapter 1. The Holy Spirit falls upon them in Acts chapter 2. Peter preached that first gospel sermon in Acts 2. And 3,000 souls responded that day to the gospel. And the church began, just like we talked about in class this morning. And Peter tells them, Jesus is now sitting at the right hand of the Father. He is reigning from heaven. The church has begun. It's a beginning. It's a new day. It's a new age. We can understand that, can't we? I thought about preaching this lesson next week, and the reason is because the time changes next week. <laughs> time change, get it? <laughs> First of the year, we go from 2021 to 2022, so things change. Decades change. Centuries change. Administrations change. And whenever that happens, there's change that takes place with it. So in Acts chapter 3, following chapter 2, the gospel has been preached for the first time. And now in Acts chapter 3, there's going to be this miracle. Peter is going to preach this second gospel sermon. And because of that, there's going to be this large gathering after Peter heals that man. And then he will deliver this sermon. And we have to keep in mind that what Peter had said in Acts chapter 2, that these are the last days. This is the final dispensation. We are moving from the Mosaic age to the Christian dispensation. The old covenant is fading away and the new covenant is being initiated and brought into effect. So those sermons that are preached in Acts chapter 2 and Acts chapter 3, they each have their own purpose, their own distinction. And we'll notice some of the distinctions here in Acts chapter 3. Now, there is a response to the preaching of the gospel in Acts chapter 2. There's a response to the preaching of the gospel in Acts chapter 3. This response is a little bit different. Oh, yes, there's going to be some folks that are going to be saved because when you move into chapter 4, it says that the number now is up to 5,000. So people have responded to the gospel once again. More people are being added to the Lord's church. But there's something else that happens there too. Not everybody is pleased about what is going on in Jerusalem these days. And so there's going to be some folks that are going to show up at the beginning of chapter 4 
And you know what they're going to do? They're going to arrest Peter and John. So not everybody's happy with what's going on. So I want us to talk about this miracle. And then I want us to talk about the message that Peter delivers. Then I want us to notice the blessing that comes toward the end of the chapter. In Acts chapter 3, verses 1 through 6, just kind of a quick rehash. I'm not going to read that to you once again. Peter and John have gone up to the temple. It is the third hour of the day. And as they are on their way up there, they see this man who is lame. And we know from other passages that he has been lame from birth. Acts chapter 4, we'll come to understand that he's over 40 years old. Everybody's familiar with this man. Peter will take him by the right hand and raise him up. And immediately he will be healed. In verse 7 and 8, that response is recorded for us in Acts chapter 3. And then following that, in verses 9 through 11, the people see what has taken place. And they are amazed by what has taken place. And then they run together. Bingo. <laughs> we got a preacher, and now we got a crowd. <laughs> Guess what's going to happen next? There's going to be a lesson, right? Let me ask you about this before we go any further, just to be thinking about it. You think there's any providence involved in that? (laughs) This man happens to be there. (laughs) The apostles are there, inspired by the Holy Spirit, empowered by the Holy Spirit. There is a crowd that is there. It is all brought together, and it's the setting. And there's this miracle of healing A lame man. You think that's a coincidence? Think about it. We talked about this in class this morning, the time frame, right? Passover has been at least 50 days because we've had Passover and then we've had Pentecost and now we're in Acts chapter 3. I don't know exactly how many days it's been, but I know it's been at least 50 and now there's some more. So is it 60 Is it 65? I don't know. But it's beyond Pentecost. But still, there are people there. And it's still fresh in their mind about Jesus and what took place. Let me tell you something else. Thinking back, maybe it was a couple months ago. This is major events that are taking place in Jerusalem. Matthew chapter 21 records that final week, or it begins. And what follows records that final week. And in Matthew chapter 21, Jesus will come into riding into town on a donkey. Remember that? Zechariah 9, fulfillment. Zechariah 9, verse 9. And they will throw down palm branches. And they will shout, Hosannas, save now, save now. And then, Jesus will go into the temple. And Jesus will turn over the tables of the money changers. And he will drive out the animals and so forth. 
And then he will quote first from Isaiah and then he will quote from Jeremiah and he will say, my house shall be called a house of prayer and you have turned it into a den of thieves. Isaiah 56, Jeremiah 7. <laughs> he quotes. Creates quite a ruckus. Then you know what he does? He doesn't leave. He stays. And you know what else he does? It says that he heals the blind and the lame that were brought to him. Miracles. He's performing. Riding into Jerusalem to the fulfillment of prophecy. Quoting from Isaiah and Jeremiah. And then performs miracles right there <laughs> in front of all of them. That final week. You know what week that is? That's Passover week. One of the, if not the, major feast day. How many people do you think are in Jerusalem for that feast week? It will swell by ten or more times. There will be thousands, hundreds of thousands that will come to Jerusalem during that time. When Jesus rides into Jerusalem, you know what day of the week it is? It's Sunday. And he creates quite a stir. But then Matthew tells us in Matthew 21 that he leaves. And he goes away for the night. But then Monday comes. And guess who's back at the temple? It's Jesus. Right back again. But this time, the chief priests and the elders show up. And they confront Jesus. And they want to know, by what authority do you do these things? And who gave you that authority? Isn't that interesting? Isn't that interesting? Chief priests, elders. Here's a man that sat right here in front of all of you just yesterday, performed miracles. Turned over the tables of the money changers and drove out the animals, and you want to know how do you or why do you think you have the authority to do this? Who gave you that authority? They didn't ask him about his miracles, did they? Isn't that, isn't that funny? So let's think about it. He rode into Jerusalem. On a donkey. They are shouting hosannas, throwing down palm branches, shouting, Save now, save now. Our king just rode into town. He goes into the temple and he quotes from Isaiah, fulfillment of prophecy. He quotes from Jeremiah, fulfillment of prophecy. Performs miracles. Check out Isaiah 35. 
and see what he says that is going to take place in the day when God sends or God comes to save his people. Miracles. Riding into town on a donkey. Quotes from Isaiah. Quotes from Jeremiah. Performs miracles just like Isaiah 35 says he would. And then they come to him and they say, by what authority do you do these things? By what authority indeed? In Acts chapter 2, Peter had told them after they had crucified Jesus, that God testified or God, he was attested by God to you by miracles, by signs, and by wonders. What was it that proved that Jesus was who he claimed to be? Well, there were signs <laughs> and there were wonders and there were miracles. And then you see him ride into town. You hear him quote from Isaiah. You hear him quote from Jeremiah. And then he performs miracles. It's like, can you see what's going on here? And the chief priests and the elders are indignant about this. And then while he's there in the temple and he performs these miracles, you know what the children are doing? They're shouting hosannas to the son of David. And the chief priest and the elders say, do you hear that? <laughs> do you hear that? What they are shouting? And Jesus will tell them out of the mouths of infants and babes, God has prepared praise for himself. All the things. Testimony. To who he was. And they come to him. And they say by what authority. Do you do this. Matthew the 11th chapter. Remember John. John the Baptist. John the Baptist was the forerunner for Jesus Christ. But he ends up getting thrown into prison. Because he said some things that Herod didn't want to hear. And so John is kind of shook by this and finally he sends a couple of disciples of his to see Jesus and he says to Jesus, are you the one or shall we look for another? And what does Jesus say? Does Jesus say, oh, just go tell John, yeah, I'm the one. <laughs> That's not what he says. He said, you go back and you tell John that the blind see, the lame are made to walk. And blessed is he who keeps from stumbling over me. What's he saying, John? You ask if I'm the one? Look at the evidence, John. It's all around you. You don't look, need to look for another one, John. You just need to think about the evidence. So in Acts chapter 3, now I, I will read. Acts chapter 3, verse 12. 
So when Peter saw it, this is after he performed his miracle, he responded to the people, men of Israel, why do you marvel at this? Or why look so intently at us as though by our own power or godliness we have made this man walk? The God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, the God of our fathers, glorified his servant Jesus, whom you delivered up and denied in the presence of Pilate when he was determined to let him go. But you denied the Holy One and the just and asked for a murderer to be granted to you, and you killed the Prince of Life, whom God raised from the dead, of which we are witnesses. And his name, through faith in his name, has made this man strong, whom you see and know. Yes, the faith which comes through him has given them this perfect soundness in the presence of you all. So right away, the crowd is staring at them, and Peter says, don't give us any credit. Let me tell you where the credit goes. You know that one that was crucified recently? He's the one that's making this all possible. And so he points to Christ. In Acts chapter 3, this is where I mentioned earlier, and then in Acts chapter 4 and about verse 22, this man that he just healed, he's carried there every day. Every day. And he's been lame from birth. And he's over 40 years old. By the beautiful gate, people come into the temple. Now we're not told exactly what all this man knew about Jesus. Or if he had ever tried to get in touch with Jesus. But I think it's reasonable based upon what is recorded that this man did know Jesus. I think it's reasonable that he may have previously tried to get in touch with Jesus. And so we think about Matthew 21. It's only been 50, 60 days. It was Passover week Every Jew would try to be there. And was Jesus there? (laughs) Absolutely, he was there. Was this man there? Absolutely. It says he was carried there daily. So you stop and you think about that. Do you think there was ever an occasion whenever Jesus walked right by that man? Do you think there was an occasion whenever that man said, Is that Jesus? Somebody get his attention. Jesus can heal. I need heal. I'm here at the temple. He's here. (laughs) What's keeping him? But it didn't happen, did it? And so every day, he's laid there by that gate. kind of a catch-22, isn't it? So think about this. Here's a man who needs healed. Jesus is a man who can heal. But I can't get to the man who can heal me 
because of my handicap. If I could get up and walk over there, I wouldn't need him. <laughs> but I can. I also got to stop and think. Do you think Jesus was aware of this? I think there's a real possibility. But no, you wait. I got something special planned. But it's his handicap that keeps him from getting to Jesus, the one who could actually heal him. So let me ask you now. The chief priests and the elders, they come to Jesus and they say, by what authority do you do these things? <laughs> I almost have to chuckle. He rode into the town according to the prophecy of Zechariah. He turns over the tables of the money changers and he quotes Isaiah my house shall be a house of prayer. And then he quotes from Jeremiah, but you turned it into a den of thieves. And then he performs miracles right there in front of them. Proof. He is who he claimed to be. And they won't acknowledge him, but the little children will acknowledge him. And then they say, do you hear what they're saying? And Jesus once again quotes from the Old Testament, this time the book of Psalms. Can you see it? <laughs> it's almost like you want to say to them, are you blind? <laughs> so when we look at this, Acts chapter 3, and we see this physical handicap, and the reason why the man can't get to Jesus is because of his handicap. Can you see why these people can't get to Jesus? They got a spiritual handicap. The evidence is right there in front of them. But they can't see it. They don't want to believe. It. So the message. I'll read on down. I read through verse 16. Verse 17, Yet now, brethren, I know that you did it in ignorance, as did also your rulers. He's talking about the crucifixion. But those things which God foretold by the mouth of all of His prophets, that the Christ would suffer, He has thus fulfilled. Repent, therefore, and be converted, that your sins may be blotted out, so that the times of refreshing may come from the presence of the Lord. So Peter's reminding him, God had prophesied that his Christ was going to suffer. And he says, he did. <laughs> You're witnesses of that because you had a hand in it. You killed the Prince of Life. But, you did it in ignorance. <laughs> I look at this story and I think, 
plenty of that to go around in there. <laughs> you wouldn't have killed him if you'd have really realized who he was. But you didn't. You failed. As we talked about in class this morning. To connect the dots. It was pointing towards him. And that's what Peter's saying. The prophets have foretold this. And so now he says, I want you to repent and be converted. Why is that? You know why that is? Because the times have changed. Y'all haven't realized it yet. We just moved from the old covenant to the new covenant. And you need to understand. Connect the dots. I told you back in chapter 2. The king is now sitting at the right hand of the Father. The reason why the Holy Spirit came is because He sent Him. And the reason why you crucified Him is because you failed to understand the Scriptures and how they were pointing to Him. So a crowd gathers... In Acts chapter or Acts chapter three, just like they did in Acts chapter two, but this time no one is mocking the apostles. Remember, back in Acts chapter two, they were mocking him and they were saying, "Oh, these men must be drunk." <laughs> this time, this times, there's nobody mocking them. The problem this time is they're looking at Peter and John like they did it, but they didn't do it. <laughs> It was by the power through them. And that's what Peter's pointing to. It's not us. It's him. And so Peter will tell them to give praise to God because it is through his servant Jesus that they are able to do these things. See, there's one other thing we've got to notice about Acts 2 and Acts 3. Acts chapter 2 really focuses on the Old Testament prophet Joel, doesn't it? And when Peter quotes from the Old Testament prophet Joel, he's making reference to the Holy Spirit, right? That is being poured out at that time. This is that which was spoken through the prophet Joel. That in the, when? Last days. This is it. That's what Peter's saying. This is it. This is the final dispensation. This is the Christian dispensation. Jesus Christ is sitting at the right hand of the Father. The church is coming into being. They will first be called Christians at Antioch. It's a new day. It's a new dawn. It's a new time. And Peter focuses on that in in chapter 2. This is Joel. This is the initiation. This is the coming. But now in chapter 3, 
He's going to focus on Deuteronomy. And he'll go back to Abraham and Isaac and Jacob. And he'll focus on the covenant. And what's the point he makes? Through Abraham, there was a promise made that through his seed, God would bless all the nations of the earth. Guess what? That seed is here. Jesus Christ has come. And he's bringing blessings to all nations of the earth. Remember what Peter said once again in Acts chapter 2? The promise is made to you and to your children and to all those who are far off, as many as the Lord our God shall call. And so in Acts 3, Peter will recall their minds once again to Abraham. Remember that blessing? And then he will tell them. You remember Pilate? And they do. It hadn't been that long ago. Pilate was a Roman. He was a Gentile. And he wanted to turn Jesus loose. But what did you all do? You crucified. You, the Jews, the ones who should have known. In ignorance, you crucified. Here was Pilate. He's just as ignorant. Because he asked Jesus, who are you? <laughs> but he did realize he was innocent and wanted to turn him loose. But yet you wanted to kill him. And so what they do? They released a guilty man, Barabbas. And they killed an innocent man, Jesus. And Peter says, you remember the blessing, the promise that was made through Abraham? And then he talks about Deuteronomy. And he talks about Moses. You know what he says about it? If you go back and read Deuteronomy, the 18th chapter, we don't have time to read all that together, so I'm going to give you the cliff notes on Deuteronomy, the 18th chapter. <laughs> At that particular time, the children of Israel are getting ready to move into Canaan, into the promised land. But you know who's in there? <laughs> a lot of heathens, a lot of pagans, a lot of idol worshipers. Don't want you listening to them. And Moses says, God says through Moses, that after you, that I will raise up a prophet like you. A prophet that the people must listen to. So what's he saying? Jesus is that prophet. You were supposed to listen to him, but you didn't. You killed him. So their guilt is seen. And then secondly, Peter gives them a warning. Deuteronomy 18, once again. If anyone does not listen to him, they will be cut off and utterly destroyed. What's Peter saying? 
You didn't listen to Him. You know where you stand right now? You run a real risk of being utterly destroyed because you didn't listen to that prophet like Moses. Through Abraham, God was going to send a promised seed to bless all nations. He came. You killed him. Moses said God would raise up a prophet like him after him. He came. You haven't been listening. But it's amazing. In verse 25, it's like the table kind of flips. Because after Peter's been hard on that crowd, he has. Then in verse 25, he says, but you are the sons of the prophets. Heirs of those covenant blessings. You've been guilty, but God is gracious. See what I'm saying? You missed it the first time around. Don't miss it again. (laughs) Don't miss it again. And so he's offering him a blessing. That's why he says, verse 19, Repent, and therefore be converted, that your sins may be blotted out, so that the times of refreshing may come from the presence of the Lord. Now you know. And now you can be taught. Conversion includes that process of the mind of the affections and of the will. You're being taught who this Jesus is. Take your affections from Moses and plant them squarely on Jesus Christ and conform your will to His will. That's what he's saying. And times are refreshing. will come from the presence of the Lord. Blessings. And they're categorized by times of refreshing, the restoration of all things, the blessings promised through Abraham. And as you read that, it's a reminder of a principle, of a pattern that we see repeated throughout the Scriptures. And you know what that pattern is? From the very beginning to the very end, the pattern is this. God is doing all He can to save all that He can. That's the pattern. God wants to bless. He does not want to destroy. Isn't it interesting also, Peter preaches the first gospel sermon, he preaches the second gospel sermon, and then years later when he's writing to the dispersion, what's he say over in 2 Peter 3? When they're going, well, you said the Lord's coming back. Well, where is he? And Peter once again saying, you misread. God's not slack concerning his promises. But he is long-suffering. Not desiring that any should perish. But that all would come to repentance. Repentance. God will point out sin. Well, he will extend his blessings. He'll show where we're separated. 
but he'll show us how to get back. Let me run a few passages by you this morning as we kind of wrap this up. And you think about this. Romans 5 and verse 20. Where sin increased, grace abounded all the more. (laughs) How many years has God been working with these people? Over in Ephesians 4 and verse 18. And Paul's talking about the Gentiles. He said they are darkened in their understanding and separated from the life of God because of the ignorance that is in them due to the hardening of their hearts. See, that's what Peter charged this crowd with in verse 17. You crucified him, but you did it out of ignorance. But he's wanting them to see when I say you did it out of ignorance, we got to get this straight. <laughs> you did it out of ignorance, but that's not an excuse. You ever tried that one when you got pulled over? Edwin's a police officer. Has anyone ever tried that one with you when you pulled them over? I didn't know the speed limit was 65. I thought it was 95. <laughs> Isn't that the way it goes? Your ignorance is no excuse. And what Peter is saying is that where there is ignorance, there's guilt. But there's grace. And that's what God extends. And that's why Paul said in Romans 5 verse 20, where sin increased, grace abounded all the more. You can't out-sin God. (laughs) You can't sin so big that He can't cover you if willing to listen. Listen to this one. 1 Timothy chapter 1 and verse 13. Even though even though I was a blasphemer and a persecutor and a violent man I was shown mercy because I acted in ignorance and unbelief. Who was that man? It's the great Apostle Paul. And yet, when this era began, and he was a Hebrew of Hebrews, he tried to destroy that church, didn't he? And Paul said, I was shown mercy. Why? I didn't understand. It was ignorance. But Paul turned. Hebrews 5. Hebrews 5 verse 2. He is able to deal gently with those who are ignorant and going astray since he himself is subject to weakness. Jesus is trying to gently call people back. Hebrews 9 and verse 7. But only the high priest entered into the inner room, and that only once a year, never without blood, which he offered for himself and for the sins of the people 
which they had committed in ignorance. Ignorance is no excuse. Whereas there's ignorance, there can be guilt, but there's also grace. And that's the day of atonement that's being talked about there. And the high priest would offer up. Didn't excuse them of their guilt. But God was making atonement for them. So the emphasis is somewhat different in Acts chapter 3 as opposed to Acts chapter 2. It's Joel in Acts 2. It's Deuteronomy and Genesis in Acts chapter 3. The lame man was more than just an excuse for a sermon. I think it's God's providence. Had that man ever heard of Jesus? Had that man ever seen Jesus? Did Jesus know anything about him? I think there's a real good chance. (laughs) But it was timing. It was the right time. The right place. The right crowd. And that miracle points to Jesus. And that miracle typifies man's helpless state. He was handicapped, but he couldn't get to Jesus. Spiritually speaking, we're handicapped. And we can't get to Jesus on our own. You know how he helps us get there? First, he's got to show us what separated us from him. Isaiah 59, verse 1 and 2. Your sins have made a separation between you and your God. Jesus Christ is the answer. So come to Him. Can we see that? God wants to save sinners. He wants us to connect the dots. It's God's story. It's God's story from the beginning. It'll be God's story when it's over. Send the invitation this morning to any and all that are here. If we can help you in any way make your relationship right with the Lord, please let us know while together we stand and while we sing.